Let's, let's turn to the Lord and let's pray together this morning. Lord God Almighty, we come recognizing that you are supreme. You are supreme over all of history. You are God over your world, over all the universe. And we come here before you, the living God, you who are a consuming fire, you're great, you're holy, you're righteous, you're perfect, you're pure, you're infinite, you're infinitely great. And you love us, and you made us for yourself. And so we come this morning recognizing that you are over our lives. You know our days. We don't know our days, but you do. It may very well be that some of us in this room, even this year, next year, next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, maybe their time, maybe my time. And we come this morning entrusting our lives to you the one who is in control, the one who is over our days and all days, the one who will one day bring all of this to a conclusion and glory for the saints awaits. And so help us right now even to resolve to use our days for your name. Whether they be many or they be few, may we resolve even now to use them for your name. We pray this morning that this service, our lifting up of our hearts to you in song, our hearing of your word, this fellowship, giving, and all of these things, in those things you would be glorified, and in all those things your name would be lifted high. And we pray and ask that indeed you would send your light and your truth out here this morning and we know where that comes from it comes from your word as we'll be turning to here in just a moment and so we pray that you would indeed send out your light send out the light of your word send out the light of the gospel the truth of your word the truth of the gospel out may you send it out here and now over us over our church over the church and throughout the world, we pray earnestly for this. And we pray earnestly that indeed you would humble us, Lord. Humble us even now. That we would indeed fall on our faces before you. And not just rend our garments, but that we would rend our hearts before you. So help us, Father. We bring our whole selves to you right now, and I pray every person here would, this prayer would be theirs, that they would resolve to give their whole hearts to you unreservedly. Amen. So help us do that. We turn to your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. And we'll be continuing in 
this gospel. And so we'll be looking at this morning, John 17, coming to the last part of Jesus's prayer here. And so John 17, verses 20 to 26. Now I wonder, you know, if I went around the room here, you know, person by person and just kind of asked you, you know, and let's just say, you know, we're all going to be honest, you know, about it as well. And, and I asked you, why are you here? You know, or why did you come to church? Why do you come to church? Now, I wonder, going around, we're not going to do that here this morning so you, you know, you can maybe relax a little bit. I'm not going to walk up to you and be like, why are you here? You know, I'm not going to do that. So don't, you don't have to worry about that this morning. But I just wonder, you know, how you might answer that question. And I think, you know, and I think you would know this as well. We might, we probably would have a good variety of answers, you know, to that question. Well, back in 2018, so pre-COVID, you know, I know a lot has changed and a lot has stayed the same as well. But back in 2018, the Pew Research Center, they essentially asked this question of Americans, you know, why do you go to church? You know, what, what's the reason? So among the top answers were these, were to become closer to God, go, going so your children, you know, they can have a strong moral foundation and to be part of a community of faith. And so those were some of the kind of top ones. Some other reasons they gave as well were, you know, to become a better person. You know, comfort the sermons. You know, meet new people. You know, socialize, you know. Or just even they had some religious obligation to go. You know, i got to do it. It's my duty. So, why do you come? Really? Why do you come? So what are we, what is all this about? You know, why are we doing this this morning? Is this just a, a gathering of people where, you know, everyone knows your name, you know? You know, I grew up and watched Cheers every so often, you know, and you know, Norm would walk in. Norm, you know, is that what it's about? They call out your name when you walk in the church? Oh, that's why I'm going to church. Everyone knows my name. You know, so is that why you're here? So in your heart, how is what we're doing here different than, say, you know, social media? You know, watching TV at home. Or perhaps, you know, streaming services now. Watching a streaming service or even watching live stream right now. How is this different, the physical gathering Versus that. Or even a sports gathering. How is it different than that? I mean, I think sometimes they're a little more excited about what's going on in the game than we are, you know, in our churches. So what is it, you know? How, how is it different than maybe perhaps a close-knit group of friends or even your family? And so all these kind of questions, you know, we need to think about. Or even just being honest, is this really just all about you, you know? Is it just about you kind of feeling good this morning, 
You know, just about your emotions being stirred. You're feeling good. You're going away feeling better about yourself or whatever. Is that what this is about? Questions that cause us to not just kind of say, well, here's what I do all the time, but what is going on in here, in my heart? Well, according to our passage this morning, us, you know, our gathering, the church, it is to have one distinct unifying center upon which we physically gather, upon which we covenant together as local churches, uh, upon which we worship, upon which we practice the ordinances. And what is that? It's Christ. Amen. It's Christ. Indeed, even as the hymn goes, you know, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. So we come this morning in light of Christ. And in our passage this morning, our unity... This gathering, all we do is about him, about Christ. So let's read our passage this morning then, beginning here with verse 20. So chapter 17, verse 20. May God help us have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive his word this morning. So Jesus, he continues... His prayer. Do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love me even as you love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I may known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Amen. Now these verses come as the last part of Jesus' weighty and wonderful prayer. And it is both of those things. I don't know if you, you remember from last week or if you were even here last week or whatever, but you know, as we've walked through this prayer, you know, it is both weighty, like very deep. And then it's just from that, that depth, we just go into the heights of awe and wonder 
of God and of Christ and of who He is. So there's, there's a weightiness to it and there's a wonder to Jesus' prayer here. And so as we've kind of walked through this, Jesus, He began in verses 1 through 5 praying for who? You remember. Well, praying for Himself. So he, he began praying for himself and then he went on in verses 6 through 19 and he prayed for his disciples, which makes a lot of sense of where this begins here this morning. I do not ask for these only, like the disciples. So if you're wondering, what is that about? What that's, that's what that's about. He was just praying for his disciples here and now in our verses here, Jesus prays for you. He prays for you, verses 20 through 26. So as the eternal son, the second person of the Trinity, he took on flesh, and now here, as fully God and fully man, what does he do? He prays for us. And so if you, if you wanted a good reason for you know, normal, daily, regular time where you seek God's face in prayer, well, here you have a big one. (laughs) The perfect man, the sinless man, the utterly faithful man. And for him, prayer is a normal part of life. And not that we would look at him and say, oh, no, no, he's the God-man, totally disconnected from us. I don't think that's for us. We're not to learn that from him. But, oh, we are. First John, we are to walk in the same manner as he walked. And so Jesus is giving us the model of the perfect man. And what all of us, men and women, what we are to look like. We are people who are seek our God. We get on our faces before Him and we pray. We need Him in everything. And apart from Him, we can do nothing. And so He is our model. And so here, He prays for us. And He prays for those then who will believe. So verse 20 so if you, if you are here this morning and you know Jesus Christ, that is you. He is praying for you here. But it's not just you here either. He's praying for believers past, believers present, and for those also who will believe. Thank you, Lord. So it's no accident here as well that Jesus, he prays this right off the heels of what we saw at the end of the prayer last week for the disciples in, in John 17, verses 17 through 19. I'm not going to read all that, but where he prayed for the disciples there in verse 17, he said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. And so he prayed that they would, be, they would be set apart in the truth. In light, in the, in the light, uh, light of the revelation of Christ, in light of his words, in light of his revelation, in light of God's words, the gospel. And so he prays for those who will believe on account of their word or the disciples' word. And so on account of the word, 
be praise for those who will believe on account of the word. Now, the disciples, they didn't just say, you know, to that man, you know, I'm just so glad Jesus saved me. You know, let's, let's just go and retire and collect seashells. You know, that, that's not what the disciples did, right? They didn't say our job is, I mean, we're fine now. We're good. We're saved. Let's just go find a hunky-dunky place and just be there and enjoy the rest of life. That's not what they said. They had work to do. And they were to take up the word of the cross. That is foolishness to a world that is perishing. As we are too also. And they went and they did what? They heralded Christ. If it means suffering, if it means I go to prison, if it means I must suffer to death, I will do it. And they did it. Verse 18. As Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And they did. They obeyed. And many believed. So on account of the word, the declaration of the gospel, many will believe. And how many of you here can attest to that as well? How many of you came to faith through you know, someone else having come to you and shared the gospel with you? You know, it, it may have been that they came to you, you know, one-on-one, and you sat down with them, and maybe it was over lunch or whatever, uh, or, you know, maybe it was a family member, and they came to you and started telling you about Jesus Christ. This is who he is. This is what he did. This is the problem. You are a sinner. And you, your eyes were open. You believed the gospel, and you were saved. Or maybe it was through a sermon or through a mixture of these, but... It was through, in some way, right? It was some, through some way, through the word. Through the proclaiming of the word, one-on-one, right here, or somewhere, the pro- proclamation of the word, the proclamation of the gospel. So even as they did then, let's stand upon and proclaim this gospel today also. It is through sharing this news. It is through teaching it. It is through preaching it. It is through using our mouths and speaking it. Not just life. They may never know why you're living the way you do. Based on your life alone. Maybe they're a vegetarian. Maybe that's why they are living the way they do. You know, maybe it's something else. Maybe they just really want to be, you know, do things well in their life. We've got to use our words. And so using our mouth and speaking it, that people may hear it, and they put their faith in Christ. But is, is this gospel really enough? You know, I mean, today... You know, I mean, it's culture's moving forward and everything else, you know. You know, in no light of all this, is it really enough for our day just like it was for their day? You know, in the midst of all of these questions going around, the turmoil, the controversies, the politics, 
the challenges of this world right now. Is it enough? Is this this old-fashioned thing that we do, you know, here meeting together? Is the gospel enough? And well, the answer is, of course it is! (laughs) My goodness, yes! We need the gospel every day! We need it preached again and again! Until Christ returns! And brings His kingdom about in its fullness. We may well answer and respond and seem to think well and think hard about the questions and the issues of our day. We need to. But as we do that, we need not lose sight that this day, as every day before it, is in need of Christ and the preaching of Christ. And so today, as it has always been, everything going on today is still flowing out from what? That same broken stream. The shadow that we see over our day is the same dark shadow that has been on all the days past. And the terrible shadow that extends out from Genesis chapter 3 onward. What a terrible shadow it is. So in the midst of such a shadow, in the midst of the fall and our separation from God, then where is the work of God to be found in our day? Well, even now, God is bringing dead sinners to life. Those condemned and living under the ruler of this world... Their chains are even now being broken. But how? Is it through our answering of all these issues? Again, we need to answer. We need to have good responses. We need to think hard. But where is our hope found? It is through the one same gospel of Jesus Christ. So while the nations rage, what are we to do? Well, Psalm 2 tells us, because it's not new, what's going on today. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. we need to still stand upon and proclaim this gospel. So no, don't bury your hand, head in the sand, but yes, my goodness, yes, yes, stand upon and proclaim Christ. Pastors, preachers, church members, teachers, missionaries, proclaim Christ. Amen. This is the news we have. This, this world will continue to be broken. So let's preach Christ. And so Jesus, he prays for us. And he prays for those who will believe. And he prays then here as we progress through this prayer, this last part of his prayer. He prays a number of things here in the first 
He prays for our unity in the gospel. So verse 21 through 23. And so we see that specifically in verse 21. He prayed, as if you remember back in chapter 7, verse 11, he prayed for the disciples, right? He prayed for their unity. Here he prays for ours also. Now this isn't, this isn't a unity in contrast to Christ, in contrast to the gospel, to God's word. It is a unity that is founded upon Christ and the gospel. Now here, just a forewarning. Get your kind of thinking caps on, per se. Jesus is going to take us really deep here. Like I said, weighty. And hopefully as you think hard about this, we'll just kind of move right into wonder as we try our best to think through what he's saying here. But he talks about this unity founded upon him in the gospel. It's a unity then analogous to our united triune God. So Jesus, he prays in verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And so the Father and the Son, and we could... We could say the Spirit also, but they've, they've had only, and they've only known unbroken, perfect, loving communion from all eternity. And Jesus, he prays here for a unity analogous to that. <laughs> Is that not just breathtaking? Like, whoa, that's the kind of unity that we're to have? Among each other? It's amazing. And, and yet here, you know, we see this and we don't need to think here that this is a unity that is any less bound to the gospel as the branches are dead and thrown out apart from the vine. So this unity is only possible in Christ. Now when he says this, this triune kind of analogous unity... It doesn't mean they're all the same. It doesn't mean that we need to all kind of go around and begin kind of signing numbers to one another. You know, hey, number four, you know, <laughs> number seven, how you doing today? You know, that's not, that's not what we're to be like here in the church, you know, wearing the same thing, you know, dressing the same way, thinking the same way in every single thing, personality, same, school, same, everything. That's not what he means. He's not saying you need to be uniform in everything, not absolute sameness. So we do believe in one and only one God, yet he has eternally existed, thinking cap, eternally existed as Trinity, as the Father and the Son and the Spirit. So the one God, yet three distinct persons. And so analogous then we see also that we are distinct members, distinct individuals, individually members of the body, as Paul said in what Dennis read a moment ago. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul, he said there, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So we are seeing here that we are to be one church. You see how strong that unity is to be. 
but see also that it is directly connected to Christ in the gospel. So that's one. And he goes on, and it's also here a unity built upon Jesus' cross-bearing glory. So Jesus, he says there in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. Now the glory spoken of here, it's not talking about divine, like eternal glory. That is not glory that you can have. That's not for you. We're not walking around as these little kind of, you know, have the divine spark in us. You know, we're not those kind of people. There's, we're not like little G's, little gods, which I heard one preacher say one time. We're not that either. It's his glory only. So this then would need to be a glory that could also be given to us. So here we see something of a connection to Jesus' earlier words from verse 1. Where he said, Father, that hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And the glory that we saw there was the glory of the cross. He was saying, lift, bring, bring it about that I may go all the way to the cross. Take me all the way to the cross that your name would be glorified and that I would be glorified. And that was his prayer. And that glory there was a humble, submissive, dying to self sort of glory. And this is what I think Jesus means here. He's saying that glory of the cross is the glory he gives to us also. We are united in that same glory. In the glory of, wait for it, Dying to yourself and clinging to the gospel, clinging to God's distinct revelation of his son and salvation through him. It's our glory to die to self and not lift it up. Oh, Lord, help me. You know, everyone, like, help us, Lord. How often that's just what we want to do, right? Put me on the center stage. Or if I'm in the background, make someone mention me, and that way everyone knows I do stuff in the background. And if they don't, they're going to get it. You know? Man, how we struggle with this. This glory is a gospel sort of dying. It's our humbling. It's that, it's that the light of the glory of Christ shines through us to a lost and dying world and our dying to self and showing the world the cross of Christ in our lives. And so it is then that we have verse 23 here. For this unity is a unity that the world might know. So the gospel-centered, cross-bearing unity declares to the world that the Father sent Jesus, and that the Father loves us even as he loves Jesus. So when we're living in these ways, that's what the message is that's going out to the world. Do you want that message to go out to the world like that? Well, that means you've got to die. You've got to die daily, church. Regularly, 
hourly. Now, here, just to be 100% clear, to keep us from heresy in your minds or hearts, this is, again, this is not talking and saying that God loves us more than Christ. This is talking about God's unrelenting, special, unfailing, sure love. Our unity then in Christ, in walking in His cross-bearing glory, declares to the world, see that He is the Savior and see how they are loved by God through this Savior. That's what's being declared. So in view of Christ then, and on the basis of Christ then, let's stand united in Christ. Our unity is not found in removing the gospel. Removing God's word. It's not found in taking Christ from the center. It's not found in ignoring his words. It's not found in putting anything in their place. Tradition won't do it, church. I know we all struggle with that. We struggle with that everywhere, in, in our workplace and everywhere. Someone does something new and we're just like, no, you know? And that's everywhere in us, but tradition will not do it. My worship style, my carpet color, my building, my preferences, that will not do it. That is not cross-bearing glory. And we wonder why disunity is everywhere. Just like our children, right? When you're raising your children, it's like, no, I want my toys. You know, you know how they do it, you know? They throw that fit on the ground, you take it away, and oh man, you just, you know, opened up a cry session for the next 30 minutes. Well, as adults, I think we do the same thing. We just do it, you know, proper, you know? You know, got my tie on, you know? We do it right, you know. So we play a game. And as important as relationships are, relationships won't do it either. That's not why we gather. I'm not saying those are unimportant. But Christless relationships are the heart of why we are so disunited. And you just put anything there. You know, status, education, Ethnicity, homeschoolers versus public schoolers. You know what I'm talking about. Moralism, legalism, personalities. They're like me. They're not like me. They're out of here. Comfort. If I'm not getting comfort in the church, I'm gone. Well, each one of these won't achieve the unity that Jesus is talking about here. Because that's not how unity happens this unity it must 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 be self denying and not self declaring and self seeking not my way it's your will not my will be done and so this unity friends is bound to Christ if you want it we'll cling to him and this isn't just unity for unity's sake either. You know, the notable writer and pastor, if you 
Noam, A.W. Tozer, he put it well, he put it this way. He said, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to, were, were they to become unity conscience and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Which is what happens with all those things I just mentioned. Tradition, relationships, income, whatever. Eyes away from God, away from Christ to something else. Instead, we are to be united in this one standard, Christ. In every tribe, tongue, and nation, we are united in that one name. We can all gather and worship him regardless of the music that's going on. We'll just praise him together. And so he prays for that. And then second, Jesus, he prays that we would be with him. Verse 24. So as we kind of come near the end of his prayer here, I don't know if you're like me, but Jesus, he adds really just one reason upon another for us just to be amazed. He wants you to be with him. Once. <laughs> it, it isn't that he's just kind of putting up with you. He's not just putting up with us. Saint, he's not just putting up with you. Maybe, maybe you just need to hear that today. You know, God's just kind of putting up with you. Yeah. There's, there's Sarah over there. I guess I'll receive her in. Man, she's a mess. <laughs> you know, That's not what he wants. That's not what he's doing. He isn't thinking of you as that sort of friend you'd rather not have around. And don't pretend like you don't have those kind of friends. <laughs> or even church members, maybe. Maybe you're thinking like right now, someone here. You know, oh yeah, I think I saw Fred. You know, he, he's pulling up to the driveway. Hurry everyone, let's go turn the lights off. And hide under the beds, you know? I mean, that, that's not the way Jesus looks at you. That's not the way he sees us. He's not like that. He wants us to be with him. He's, he's praying for our glorification. Where we will behold his glory. Amen. Now here we have this word glory again but it takes on a different meaning. This is divine glory. This is his eternal glory. This is his majesty. This is his splendor. This is his brilliance. This is his magnificence. It is glory. It is the glory that the Father gave the Son from all eternity. And what will you do? You will behold it. Now, doesn't mean you're just going like, to take it all in at once. This is infinite glory, but you're going to see it in some fashion. And so if you know Christ, you will. It is certain. And so let us rejoice in the truth that we will soon see him. 
the day is coming either when you breathe your last breath or Christ returns. The day is coming. So if you know him, you will behold him forever. Amen. Glory. What a glorious thought. That's where you're heading, headed. But if you don't know him this morning, you also will see him. But it will not be in the sweetness of relationship, but it will be in the bitterness of judgment. Depart from me. Every knee will bow. And this day he's calling you to trust in him. To put your faith in Christ. If you don't know him, kiss the son. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And we need not think he will not be angry. There's a reason Psalm 2 says that. And lastly, Jesus prays in view of God's love in us. So verse 25 and 26. So yeah, you heard that right. Not love for us, but God's love in us. So he prays, verse 26. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So in other words, he prays that the love of God, the Father's love for his Son would be in us who are in Christ. And this is echoed as well in another passage in Romans 5, 5 as well. It says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So in verse 26 then, this love in us is founded upon the great and measurable love God has for His Son, the unique Trinitarian love between the Father and the Son. Incredible. And so Jesus then ends this prayer with His words here, and I in them. The whole of biblical revelation leads up to this wonderful truth here. For the first time, it will not be us sent away and sent out of God's presence. It will not be us sent out and sent out of the Garden of Eden. Nor will His presence be in a tabernacle or in a temple. Where will it be? It will be the presence of God in us, in Christ, by His Spirit. So you may feel alone right now. You may feel undone this morning. You may feel like you just can't go on. But know, He is with us until the end of the age. And He means that. You are not alone. In Christ, you are not undone. In Christ, you can go on. And so, with His Spirit in us, let's display the love of Christ as the body of Christ.
with the Spirit of Christ in us. We are to display His love in the world. And how are we to do this? How are we to love one another? Well, this is not possible in our own power, but in His power. It's not possible by abiding in our flesh, but by abiding in Christ. It's not possible by fixing our eyes on this world, but by fixing our eyes on Christ. It's not possible by filling our minds with the world, but by filling our minds with Christ, taking every thought captive to obedience of Christ. Christ is to be our all. And all things Christ. So we do not preach Christ as some distraction from the issues of our day. We do not preach Christ as a way of ignoring the issues of our day. We do not preach Christ as a way of avoiding the issues of our day. We believe it is Christ I need, Christ you need, Christ our church needs, and Christ the world needs. So woe to us if we ever throw him off. And so let's display him, church. Be bound to Christ in season and out. Display him. And so may we overflow with gospel-centered, cross-bearing, world-witnessing, glory-seeing, love-displaying unity as those who are one in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just come and pray, help us. We look to you this morning. We trust in Christ this morning. We ask that you would work in our hearts and help us as we respond to your word. Help us as we sing in Christ alone. May we sing it. May we rend our hearts and not merely our garments. May you do your work in us in your church now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.